Well, welcome. Glad you're here. We're in the middle of a series called A Summer in Rome, and we're looking at the book of Romans. Today we're going to be in Romans 12. If you brought your Bible, that's where we're going to be. If you didn't bring your Bible, we put the text that we're going to talk about on the screen. Now, uh, it's been a rough couple of weeks in America. It's probably not going to get any better this week because of the conventions and all those things. And we, we are, it seems as if there's a lot of uh, discontinence in our world, in our society especially. And today we're going to tackle one of these topics about how do we deal with people who don't agree with us. This, this week on my social media, I was told that if I voted for Trump, I'm not a Christian. I was told if I voted for Hillary, I'm not a Christian. Um, if I don't vote, I mean, it's like, how can it be both? And Civil discourse seems to not, not be that civil anymore. And people are saying, if you believe this, you know, I'm going to unfriend you. And it's like, okay, what happened to where we agree to disagree? You know, can we not just have a civil conversation around things? And so we're going to talk about this today. I'll, here's what I love about the Bible, um, especially the book of Romans. The book of Romans, 16 chapters, the first 11 are pretty deep and and theological, and Paul kind of lays out this argument for this is why you should believe in Christ. And then at chapter 12, it gets real practical. This is how you live life as a Christian. And, and so that's what we're going to unpack today. Um, now, as we begin, I, I thought I would show you a video because I think this sort of shows us what it can be like. <laughs> Two-year-old triplets, it's the best part of the week. An afternoon with the town's garbage collectors as they drive by for trash pickup. Also known to this family as Garb Day. Look how excited they are. Who's here? (laughs) Martha Sagalski from Florida has been posting online about her children's unique relationship with these sanitation workers for years. During trash pickup, the men stop what they're doing to say hi, give a hug, and to chat with these cuties. (laughs) There's your man. Martha explains these videos are her way of sharing love and kindness with the world. Teaching her children the value of friendship and strangers about humanity. For InsideEdition.com, I'm Lee Sheps. So when things blew up in America a couple of weeks ago um, with videos of police officers shooting people and uh, then assassinations of police officers in return, retaliation, uh, I had to sit down with my nine-year-old and explain to her what that meant because she didn't understand racism. I don't know what that means. Why do people shoot other people? And so it's not as if you, you are born disliking other folks. You kind of learn that. And so it's, it's, the Bible speaks to this in the book of Romans. Now, a couple of things we're going to need to understand kind of to set us up. When Jesus was alive, there was this tremendous tension and conflict around ethnicity and justice. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I mean, the book of Romans was written into a society and into a a culture and into an era where there was this this 
really divided society. Um, you had the zealots. Let me tell you about the zealots. They were a political movement bent on rebellion against the Roman government, which occupied their country. The zealots claimed to have God on their side. Their name literally means the emulator or uh, admirer of God. And they used terroristic uh, tactics of assassination. They were called the Sicarii. Isn't that a cool Sicarii? And it's like a kind of cloak and dagger. And they would literally attend um, events where people who were sort of pro-Romans would be and they would kill them. If they caught a Roman soldier alone, um, they would do their very best to, to off them. This was their movement. And Jesus lived in an era of oppression. He, he under, Jesus understands oppression better than most of us ever will. Think about this. When Jesus was born, there was a king named Herod who tried to have him assassinated simply because he was a Jewish boy who had, people had said, he will become the next king. He, he tried to, uh, King Herod tried to kill Jesus and his family. And they had to move as immigrants to Egypt just to get away from this oppression. It was the Roman officials who unjustly tried Christ. It was the Roman officials who sentenced him to death, who harassed him and ultimately crucified him. There was tremendous pressure on Jesus to become one of the zealots. The zealots would say, well, certainly you're for us because we are put upon. We are oppressed. Then you had the Roman soldiers. There was something in Rome, in all of the Roman Empire, called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. Every place where Rome hand, Rome's hand touched, there was peace. Now, it wasn't peaceful, but there weren't open rebellions because if you openly rebelled, you were squashed immediately and quickly. Then there was another group. They're called the Essenes. The Essenes basically said, you know what, this is all too much for us. We don't really want to pick. We're not for this group. We're not for that group. We're going to go make our own group. And so they took their people, all people kind of like them, and they made their way into sort of the desert region, and they formed their own community, and they basically said, we don't want to have a hand in how this plays out. This is too much for us. We're going to go be our own little society with our own people who think exactly like us, and this is what we'll do. We'll have our own community all to ourselves. And Jesus walks into this divided situation, and he says, I'll love the, I'll love the zealots. I'll acknowledge their humanity. I'll listen to their hurts. I'll recognize their pain. I'll treat each one of them with dignity and respect. He even invited one of the zealots to be his disciple, a guy named Simon. But Jesus also said, I'm going to love the Roman soldiers as well. I'm going to recognize their humanity. I'm going to listen and respond to their requests for help. One time there was a Roman centurion who came to Jesus who had a request and Jesus honored that request. The Roman soldiers, well, they, they had the responsibility of maintaining peace and 
And Jesus said, I'm going to love the zealots. I'm also going to love the Roman soldiers. And when Jesus was crucified, it was a Roman soldier who was the first to testify that this truly was the Son of God. See, Jesus didn't choose the zealots and count Rome as enemy. But neither did he choose Rome and count the zealots his enemy. And he didn't withdraw like the Essenes. Jesus created another way. Now, the big idea for the day is this. If you're going to follow Jesus in this world, don't expect it to be easy. Because dealing with these sorts of social issues simply isn't easy. Think about this. Jesus, on Palm Sunday, enters the city of Jerusalem, and the zealots are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. The palm leaves were were symbolic of uh, Israelite pride. Basically, they were saying, we want you to restore our kingdom to us. You're one of us. And on Palm Sunday, they were shouting Hosanna. And by Friday, they were shouting crucify him because he didn't pick their way. And when the order came down from Pilate, the Roman soldiers beat him and mocked him and stripped him and executed him. And though Jesus picked them, they didn't pick him. I love what John Ortberg said. He said, if you're looking for easy, you've picked the wrong Lord. Jesus is the one who says things like deny yourself. Take up your cross. Turn the other cheek. Jesus does love and Jesus does hope. He just doesn't do easy. Today I picked as my title for the sermon, Can't We All Just Get Along? Because back in 1992 there was a a black man named Rodney King. And before the days of cell phone cameras and video, Rodney King was led police on a high-speed chase. was apprehended and stopped and severely beaten, and someone from his balcony video recorded this on a VHS. Uh, If you don't know what that is, ask your parents. And uh, uh, submitted it to the television stations. And understandably, the African-American community was outraged, and they rioted. Does Does that sound familiar to you? I mean, that was 24 years ago. It happened then happens now. And Rodney King, in a very gracious speech, came on camera and said, can't we all just get along? Romans 12 helps us with this. If you're there, I want you to turn there. Let's begin in verse 9. This isn't part of what we're going to talk about today, but it kind of helps us understand context. So I'll read a couple of verses and then we'll put the rest on the screen. Love, it says, must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Now, this is Paul's advice for followers of Jesus how we deal with other Christians, Christians dealing with Christians. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Now understand, the next words that we're about to read are written by a guy named Paul, who suffered the oppression of the Romans just like 
all the Jews. He understood what it was like to be oppressed in this society. If you read the book of Acts, you see that he was beaten. He was imprisoned without trial. He, he was accused and convicted without trial many times. Bad things happened to him. It's not as if he's some ivory tower theorist who's writing about something he thinks, not something that he's experienced. It's really important to understand this because when Paul writes this, he understands what it means to be oppressed. Some people believe that Paul wrote this while in a Roman prison. So, it's not theory for him. This is what he believes. This is what he writes. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Do but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I heard someone say recently that Christians can act pretty good, but it's how we react that really shows how much Christ we have guiding our life. And if, in the things we're about to say in the next few minutes, you find yourself struck rather deeply, perhaps it's the Holy Spirit saying, this is something perhaps you need to work on. And so we're going to kind of dissect this text, and we're going to get some ideas around what God says. This is how we deal with people. This is how we get along. So number one, you bless your adversary. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I heard about a little girl, she wrote a letter to her pastor. The pastor, it says this, Dear Pastor, I heard you say to love our enemies. I'm only six years old, I don't have any enemies yet, but I hope to have some when I turn seven. (laughs) Chances are most of us aren't like that. We probably have some enemies that don't like the way we do things, don't like the way we think. In fact, Jesus said, Beware when all men speak well of you. So, it's likely... That we have some enemies. Some people perhaps we don't agree with. And this is cool because he talks about what you do and what you don't do. Kind of has a negative aspect and a positive aspect. The negative aspect is um, don't curse. The positive aspect is to bless. In fact, the word for bless there is eulogia. If you've ever been to a funeral, what do they give at a funeral? A eulogy. Guess where they get the word? Now, at a eulogy, do you speak well of the dead or not well of the dead? You, you say kind things, or they don't ask you to do it, right? I mean, the people they ask to eulogize, when, you, when I'm eulogized, I want my friends up there. I want my family up there. I want somebody that's going to say something positive about me. It may be difficult to find, but that's what we want, somebody that will speak well. That's what the word eulogia means to bless means to speak well now how difficult it is to do is it to do this bless those who persecute you bless those who say if you believe this you're not a christian bless those who say if you do that you're not even in the kingdom of god how difficult is it to do that i mean when i said it's not easy it's really not easy 
My mother used to say, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. This says, do better than that. If someone persecutes you, find something good to say about that person. We are to bless them. Most of us take the approach of this college professor I heard about. At 3 o'clock in the morning, he gets a phone call from his neighbor, Mr. John Smith. He answers the phone and the voice on the other line says, This is John Smith. Your dog is barking. This is 3 o'clock in the morning. Your dog is barking. He's keeping us up. The professor said, I'm I'm sorry. I appreciate your call. Next morning, 3 a.m., Mr. Smith gets a phone call. It's the professor who says, Mr. Smith, this is the professor. I don't own a dog. That's good. You got to think about it. I'm going to give you a second. We find something positive to say. We, 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 we're commissioned to do this. This is what we're supposed to do. In the Old Testament, there was something called um, equal retribution. You've heard this. Everybody knows this. When, when you read the Bible, it says an eye for what? An eye, a tooth for a... It, it is very merciful if you think about it. Because our natural tendency is to pay you back with interest. If you hit me once, my ambition then would be to hit you more than once. To pummel you, probably. Right? You take one of my teeth, I'll take two of your teeth. You poke out one eye, you're blind. I mean, that's, I mean, that's this is our natural instinct. So... When the Old Testament says, no, 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 it's equal retribution. It was incredibly merciful. But Jesus always raises the standard. He always dials it up. Look at what Jesus said about this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Look at, look at the verbs here. You have an enemy, you get to love them. You have somebody that hates you, you get to do good to them. You have somebody who curses you, you get to bless them. You have somebody that mistreats you, you get to pray for them. And then Jesus kind of wraps it up with this. This is like a punch to the guts. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Let me translate this. We're better than that. Anybody can love, sinners can love people that love them. It's incredibly difficult to love somebody that doesn't love you. To bless somebody that curses you. To pray for somebody that mistreats you. It's just a higher standard. The first thing in getting along is you bless your adversary. The second thing is you empathize. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Now, sympathy is when you feel sorry for somebody. Empathy is when you feel sorry with somebody. It's a big difference. It's putting somebody, putting yourself in, the, in the, somebody else's shoes. I've known a few police officers in my life. I have, I've got some friends. I have no idea what it would be like to be a police officer and to stop someone. I have no idea what that would be like. I know I am nervous as a cat anyway. So to walk up on a car not knowing what's going on in this car, not, not knowing if this might be the last thing I ever do, 
I can't even imagine that sort of pressure. I don't know what it's like. Nor do I know what it's like to be a young black man who is driving in a neighborhood and I get pulled over for no apparent reason. I've never experienced that. When I was talking to my kids about driving and I talked about the police pulling them over, my advice was just be polite, get out of the road, you know, pull over to the side of the road. I don't know what it's like to be a black parent talking to their black sons about this is what it looks like when you get pulled over. Because I've never experienced that. I have no idea what that's like. Several years ago, I had just finished teaching a class. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And I was driving from Grand Rapids back to my home in Muskegon. And I was on the phone telling Miriam I'm on the way. And all of a sudden, I see lights behind me. And I'm thinking, I, I just got on this road. I, I don't think I'm going fast enough to speed yet. Uh, you know, it's coming, just not now. And um, so I pull over, and the car pulls over behind me, and I wait. And then I look in my rearview mirror, and it's not just th- this car has red lights on it. Then there's cars behind it with blue lights. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? Because they've got a whole group of people back here with lights on behind my car. I'm sitting there, I am, I'm talking to Miriam, I'm like, I, I better hang up, I gotta find my registration, where the, you know, where that is, and I, you know, I gotta find my license, I have it, I think, and I'm sitting there, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, and it just takes forever. Oh, I, I got out of my car and walked toward the lights. I told a couple of my black friends this, and they were like, you did what? You are a stupid white boy. That's what they said to me. But I got tired of waiting. I'm like, okay. Because I'm thinking, there's that many cops back there, then I'm going to be on the ground. They're going to cuff me. I, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to get tased. I have a heart condition. I was going to yell, I got a heart condition. But, I, you know, uh, I just had to know. The waiting was killing me. So I'm walking toward the light. This, this sounds like death. Uh, I'm walking toward the light, and I hear a voice back there. All you see are these headlights, right? And this silhouette of it's almost like a movie and the guy said can i help you and i said did you pull me over and he said no i pulled the guy in front right here over the guy with the red lights on his car i pulled him over so evidently i was in front of the guy with the red lights and he was getting pulled over and i got pulled over kind of (laughs) in the flow so he says to me why did you do something wrong And I said, well, did you see me do anything wrong? (laughs) And he said, well, no. And I said, well, then I didn't do anything wrong. And I got in my car. I, I, um, sometimes we're really quick to judge something that we have no idea what it looks like, what it feels like. We have an experience. I have an experience. I have a life I've lived my life. I, I remember what that felt like, but I mean, I just drove off down the road. It wasn't a big deal. But it's not that way for everyone. Now, understand what I'm saying here. I'm not saying every time that someone gets pulled over, a black young man gets pulled over, it, something bad happens. I'm not saying, in fact, I don't think that happens often, but I do think it happens some. We just have to be honest about it. I, I, I don't 
I certainly don't think that taking the life of police officers is a valid response to that. But we have to understand some context. In Jerusalem, everybody sort of... It was funny, during worship time in Jerusalem at the temple, there was sort of an indoor and an outdoor. You kind of went through Solomon's colonnade and you kind of went up the south steps and that's how you got in and then you worshipped and then everybody sort of exited out the northeast corner and that's, there was sort of a flow, like at at, uh, Chick-fil-A where they have the little thing and you have to walk in now. Uh, I liked it when it was a free-for-all, now it's all organized, Uh, it's crazy. Because when it was a free-for-all, I'd sneak in front of people, so uh, I liked it better. Hard to do, harder to do now. But in the temple, you'd walk in one way and you kind of you worshipped, and then there, there was one exception. If a Jewish family had just gone through some genuine heartache, they encouraged them to walk the other direction. And this was the explanation. So that all the worshippers were forced to confront the faces of people who were hurting, so they wouldn't miss their pain. It is good to be reminded that not everybody has it easy. Not every life is simple. Not everybody has the same experience that you do. I read an interesting story about a young lady from Charleston. She had called her grandmother. One of her grandmother's friends had just died. And she said, can I come over? I just want to you know, kind of console you a little bit. And the grandmother said, it would be great. And young lady came over and was talking to her grandmother about this friend that had passed away. and She said, I, I know that um, you're going to miss your friend. And The grandmother wisely said, you know, I will miss her, but she really wasn't my friend. She was an acquaintance. And the young lady was like, well, you spend a lot of time together and you laugh together and you, I know you talked often. And The grandmother wisely said, yes, we, we spent time and we talked and we laughed but we never cried together. And what makes a real friend is when you have moments where you've cried together. When we get along, as the scripture tells us to, we, we bless no matter what, we empathize as best we can, and we're courteous. Live in harmony, it says, with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Quick question. How many of you know somebody that has to be right all the time? Don't, don't point. I'm just asking you to raise your hand. Okay. Now, I'm wondering if that question were asked of your friends, if they would think of you when the question was asked. What getting along looks like in, for Christ followers is when we sacrifice our need to always be right. You don't have to always be right. You can be right. You just don't have to always have somebody admit it. In fact, the key to living in harmony with people is humility. I love this text. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? In this room, there is no room for spiritual snobbery. In church, we don't have VIP seating. We don't have skyboxes. 
And if you find that the traffic pattern in your life for this week and for your life mostly is to avoid people, you probably need to rethink that. Because people that aren't just like us sometimes challenge us and make us uncomfortable. Don't you think Jesus was challenged and made uncomfortable? Historians tell us that the Roman Empire likely fell, at least in part, because of the influence of Christianity. As it became greater and greater, the Roman stronghold became less and less because the Roman Empire was built on sort of a class system. You had your plebes, you had your um, publicans, you had slaves. But the church said everyone is welcome, everyone can come. And so while during the week everyone was divided, during the weekend when there was church, everyone was welcomed. Because really there's only one kind of person at church. We're all sinners. We're either saved sinners or pre-saved sinners, but we're all sinners. And I'm, I'm really, really kind of concerned about our tone in this country. We're harsh. If we disagree with someone, or if someone disagrees with you, we're called bigots and phobes and morally bankrupt and Neanderthals and lazy, and it goes every direction. And why are we offended by everything? I tweeted the other day that being offended will never be an Olympic sport because everybody seems to be really good at it. We're all really good at being offended. And I love this text. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It is to one's glory. I remember preaching. Cliff, you remember back in the day where you preached and then after you were done, you stood at the door and you greeted everybody on the way out. Um, and this one guy came out and he handed me his business card. This, you're like this. And he said, I'm from First Baptist. I'd love to work with you. Now, as a preacher, Cliff's going to get this better than most, but we love stealing people from First Baptist. I mean, it was, I was super excited about the prospect of stealing somebody from First Baptist. And I was kind of, I was kind of patching in, in my spirit, you know, I was, I was pretty excited. And, and then I looked at his card and it said, whatever his name was, speech therapist. Now, that is just not right. But it's to my glory that I overlooked his offense and didn't go egg his house. So, uh, uh, we are called to a higher task. Finally, one more. We need to try. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The Essenes said... We're just, going to, we're just going to jet out of here. We're not going to be a part of the solution. I think that's not the best answer. It says make every effort. It has two qualifiers. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, because here's what you're going to learn. It doesn't always depend on you. It's not always possible. Sometimes a person's anger is so deep and their hurt is so fresh that they simply choose not to get along. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It has to do with their pain and their hurt. 
Our admonition isn't that we have to live with peace with everyone. It's that we're to strive to live at peace with everyone. So what do we do? Well, I think it's time that we acknowledge that our world is in such a mess. We're in such a bad place that we need more than human reason or legislation to figure it out. This is bigger than us. Rick Warren last week preached a sermon and he said, racism isn't a skin problem, it's a sin problem. Jesus died for weeks like these. And he said this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And if the church doesn't listen, and if the church doesn't care, and if the church doesn't act, somebody else will. And if love doesn't lead the way, violence will. I was barely alive when Martin Luther King Jr. was leading protests and was working toward social justice. Um, whenever he would have a, a rally, whenever he would have a, a march, everyone who wanted to participate had to sign a pledge. And I, I'm going to show you what was on the pledge card because I think if he would just do this, We would be better. Meditate daily on the teachings and life of Jesus. Remember always that nonviolent uh, that the nonviolent movement seeks justice and reconciliation, not victory. Walk and talk in the manner of love, for God is love. Pray daily to be used by God in order that all men might be free. Sacrifice personal wishes in order that all men might be free. Observe with both friend and foe the ordinary rules of courtesy. Seek to perform regular service for others and for the world. And refrain from violence of fist, tongue, and hearts. If we could just do that. I love that the Bible speaks to us today about things that go on in our lives today. I'm going to close this with a word of prayer, just for us, but for our nation. Um, I'm going to tell you about the offering, and then the band is going to come and play during the offering, and my friend Mark is going to come close us in a, a few minutes. Help us. Let me challenge us to be different. I, I put these on your outline because I just think they're so powerful. It's a great, great starting place. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you've given us the privilege and the enormous responsibility of being peacemakers. May we be so in our words, 
in our actions, in our thoughts. I pray, God, that you would fill us with the love of Christ so that it might shine so brightly that folks would know we are different. We humbly ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.